0: sharing the people, places, and moments that make a life on the loose worth living.
1: The thing that's going to stick out to you most is when they open up
0: that plane door. The cold is something like you've never felt. The jungle is so thick. Even if you had a machete, you couldn't get through it. There's a huge, blonde grizzly bear. And when it saw us, this thing put its head down, stomped on the ground, and hissed like an alligator. I just crossed this real stretch of desert, and I was really suffering. I'm your host, Will Collins. I'm an adventurer, outdoorsman, and roamer of wild places. I've backpacked the Brooks Range, rafted the Grand Canyon, and have canoed from source to sea both the Mississippi and Yukon rivers. I live for adventure, travel, fresh air, and diving into the unknown. And now I hope to share my passion with you on the Buffalo Roamer Podcast. Here we go, episode 82. Thanks for tuning in yet again. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with a friend. That can really help the show to grow. Today's podcast is brought to you by SRE Outdoors, family-owned and operated outdoor gear shop in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Use code WILL at SREGEAR for 10% off your first order. All the best gear, all the best prices, great customer service. Also brought to you by Fischel Paddles, makers of fine handcrafted Wooden Canoe Paddles, F I S H E L L, paddles.com, and use the code WILL at checkout for a free paddle hanger. Okay, today's podcast is Matt Mason is on the show. Matt is a thru-hiker. He's a triple crown holder. He's done the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. He's a good dude, and I enjoyed talking with him. Uh, his buddy, Todd Operdude. Todd, shout out. Uh, introduced Matt to the podcast, so thanks, Todd, for uh, for hooking us up and enjoyed talking with Matt. Uh, before we get into it, I do got to let you know that the views and opinions of this guest do not reflect the views or opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the National Park Service, the U.S. Forest Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, Bureau of Land Management, or any private municipal, county, state, or any firefighting organization. So there you have it. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into the podcast with episode 82, Matt Mason on Buffalo Roamer Outdoors. Matt, what's going on, man?
1: How you doing? Uh, Doing well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Uh, winter is not quite settled in here uh, here in the Midwest. And from what I understand you, uh, so where are you at right now? You're in Montana?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm in uh, Livingston, Montana.
0: Okay, right on.
1: And, and uh, we, I am not so patiently awaiting for winter to show up here as well. <laughs>
0: okay, a little slow winter there too, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, I'd, I would prefer right now. I think I have more days on my Nordic skis than I do on my snowboard. Um, and usually that's, that's flipped by this time of year, at least.
0: Yeah. Maybe a decent sign for Ohio, but for uh, Montana, not, not the case, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, that's cool, man. Well, uh, I, I, Stoked to uh, to catch up with you and chat with you. Uh, uh, sounds like you've been all over the place and uh, done some epic trails and some epic trips. Um, I mean, the AT, the PCT, the CDT, uh, Long Trail. Man, you've uh, you've been able to get around a little bit.
1: Yeah, not not bad for an Illinois boy.
0: <laughs> That's
1: great, man.
0: How did you uh, how did you get into long distance hiking and backpacking and, uh, and through hiking. And, uh, yeah, so you're, you're from, uh, Freeport, Illinois too, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I was born and raised in the city of Chicago and, uh, grew up in Freeport, Illinois. Um, small rural, uh, community, Northwest yeah, Illinois. Me. Yeah. We're, we're, we're neighbors by, by Montana standards. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my my best friend growing up, his family was super into the uh, being outside, and um, I I just kind of latched on, was always hanging out with them, so I got to tag along on the camping trips, on the hiking trips at various you know state parks in the the uh, the area there, and um, you know went my first my first like what I'll call like backcountry trip was with uh, my best friend Jones growing up, and we you know. Did a night uh, sleeping on sandbars on the Wisconsin River, which I, I know you know well. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And so uh, I was in eighth grade. I, I was I grew up going to a summer camp, you know, a little little YMCA summer camp in Northwest Illinois, Camp Benson. And uh, yeah, went on a, a trip to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and those were the first like real mountains I saw. You know, as a Midwest kid, right. Um, and bumped into an Appalachian trail hiker and, you know, was just kind of marveled about the whole thing and decided that hey, that's what I want to do when I, <laughs> when I grow up. Um, yeah,
0: that's sick, man. And so, uh, the AT was your first big, uh, through hike.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually that, that same, my, my friend Jones growing up when we were little kids, we got into a fight about that there being a a trail that was longer than a hundred miles. And we had just been (laughs) at some local state park, you know, on what I would call more of a path than a trail. And he's like, no, there's my dad. He there's, he was telling me about this trail, the Appalachian trail. And, you know, we were young and like his dad uh, literally pulled out an encyclopedia and was like, no, the Appalachian trail, it's, it's here. It goes from Georgia to Maine. It's over two thousand miles, and I think that was like really where, it was like, what? And then that trip, um, that trip. In, I think I was an eight. Uh, that's when it really secured it. When I actually got to see one of those scraggly looking hikers. Um, huh, that's awesome. Yeah, graduated. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, you go go for it. But I was going to say, when when uh, when did you do the AT? Then how what what uh, how old were you, or what year did you do it?
1: Uh, 2012 I just uh, I graduated college that December and um, was uh, December of 2011 and February 29th of 2012. I was standing at Springer Mountain and I think this year I'm bad at math, um, but I think this year is my third technically will be my third anniversary because 2024 is a leap year. So kind of <laughs> kind of excited about that.
0: Oh, that's funny. The technicalities, huh? Yeah. (laughs) That's sweet, man. And so obviously the, uh, the AT made a, uh, made quite the impression on you. If you've uh, you went for the triple crown and then plus some.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my human odometer of like just continuous long distance hiking is around 9,000 miles. Um, and there's, there's lots of people that have double and triple and quadruple that, but, uh, yeah, not, not too bad for having, you know, kind of having jobs here and there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, uh, what was, I want to get into some of your jobs too? fire. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, just, uh, grading. Uh, but what was, what was it about the AT that, that got you hooked? And what do you remember from that first trip? That was like the kind of you know, awe-inspiring moment that, uh, that you were like, oh man, this is, this is the real deal.
1: Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in growing up in the Midwest, like, you know, like once I'd kind of heard about it through my friends, uh, you know, like, whoa, this existed. It it became this magnificent, you know, big pie in the sky kind of dream. Right. Um, but little did I know, like, there were other long distance trails. Right. So in my eyes, it's just this one path. Right. And I'd read all kinds of books in high school, all these like, you know, self-published memoirs. And, you know, of course, um, a walk in the woods, like, you know, I'd read all those, you know, like, I, I, I like to say that I was almost too prepared. Like I knew too much about every little tradition. Right. You know, like, Oh, and this, this place you can get pizza and this place you can, you know, like there, there wasn't i I'd I'd already left no stone unturned, even though I'd only stepped foot on the trail, maybe a handful of miles before I actually completed or started hiking, you know, just uh, various trips over the years. Um, But yeah, I I think that just like the history there on that trail, um, the long trails, actually the, the first like recreational long distance backpacking trip that was conceived. And that runs from the Massachusetts border all the way North, uh, through to the Canadian border through the state of Vermont. Um, but all that history that is just like tied up. Too. I'm sorry.
0: said I've heard that one's epic too. The long trail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. The, the long trail, um, the long trail and Appalachian trail shared about 90 miles together in Southern Vermont. Um, but it isn't until you get to Northern Vermont where the, the quote unquote real hiking begins. Um, that's some of the, the most technical, rocky, rooty, wet hiking. Um, and when I I hiked the long trail, we actually went from the, uh, from Canada to Massachusetts going southbound and with my friends that I was going with, um, who we'd met on the Appalachian trail this, the year prior uh, because of some jobs and whatnot. We started out uh, late oct- or mid October. So we were above treeline with a foot of snow <laughs> and there I am in my like little, little blue running shorts. Like this is okay. <laughs> so funny. So yeah, um,
0: That's awesome. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget. Uh, uh, I was in uh, uh, and in, in, I went to college in Colorado and in California, uh, I went on a spring break trip, like a backpacking trip to Yosemite. And, mm-hmm. um, it was like a low snow year in Colorado, really low snow year. And it was in the, uh, you know, in March. And so we were in Colorado and we we're like, oh, you know, if there's no snow in Colorado, it's California, like it's going to be like a beach, you know? <laughs> and so we go, we go out planning this whole route in Yosemite and, and we show up, and like everything is, they had a massive snow year. Like we didn't even realize that it's like legitimate mountains, like like in Colorado. And oh, yeah. we like we show up, the whole route is like you know twelve feet under snow, and we're like, okay, I guess we're gonna have to uh, gonna have to make a make a change of plans here.
1: <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely, and that's a something that's super common for uh, long distance hikers. Um, that have never spent time in in the mountains in the Southeast, you know, as a Midwest kid looking at Georgia, I didn't realize like it was going to, how cold it was going to be. And like, it doesn't take a lot of research was like, Oh, some of the, the, the lows are like in the twenties in March. Okay. Um, And yeah, I, I would much rather take five degrees out here in Montana with low humidity than 20 degrees in in North Georgia or North Carolina uh, hmm. with all that humidity because it, it really is like a biting cold.
0: How do the AT, PCT, and it's the AT, the Pacific Coast, uh, the PCT, Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail, CDT, that make up the so-called Triple Crown, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And how do those um,
1: compare? Yeah, there's lots of, like, metrics and, like, kind of catchphrases people kind of say. But, like, just very generally, the – from, you know, it's most common for people to hike the Appalachian Trail first um, because at one point in time it was the most popular in, like, just, like, house – you know, household name popularity. Um, The Pacific Crest Trail – you know, was like, just didn't have that name recognition, even though for some folks, like it's, it could have been in, it's in their home state and they might know about the AT, but not even know about the Civic Crest Trail. I mean, California is a massive state, right? So, um, but uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, the similarities, you know, it's, it's, they're all long distance trails. They're more or less all continuous. You know, there's road walks on all three of them. Some of them shorter, some of them longer, Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say the, you know, the Appalachian trail is the easiest in the sense of navigation, right? Like if, if you have a head on your shoulders, you could even do it without a guidebook if you really wanted to, you know, I mean, there's signs everywhere. There's ample water. Um, there's, there's of course some, some tricky spots, but, um, pretty dialed on that. There's a huge infrastructure around the trail. So like when you go into towns, people know who the people with the backpacks are, you know, right. like it's there. I mean, hell, there's a small economy based around the couple months that the bubble of long distance hikers are passing through towns. Um, and then the Pacific crest trail, um, you know, that, that is kind of like, I mean, it is, it is, in my very very humble opinion it's the easiest because oh, really? it's just oh it's just it's the trail the trail tread you know I, I used to dig trail for a living i mean the trail tread and how it was designed and that the grades it was designed is perfect wow there's, there's not there's not a route that crosses that thing i mean it is like a joke that it's just pea gravel from mexico to canada <laughs> It's just interesting.
0: That's funny. You know, of
1: course of course there's technical stuff in there, but it the the climbs are very graded. Um, you know, the, the public land corridor on the Appalachian Trail when they were constructing it was a lot more narrow. So some and it's so old that they just used to build trails straight up, straight down. Or at grades we wouldn't build a trail today. Um so, you know, cause when you build a, re- a really steep trail, it essentially becomes a water slide and erodes your trail faster. Um, and is less enjoyable to hike. Yeah. Um, and then the, the continental divide trail, uh, you know, is like, is, is, uh, much more of a wild is more wild than the, the two other trails. Um, not, not to say that it doesn't have like really, you know, there's some world-class hiking trails, uh, like, trail that it's on um, but that's definitely longer water carriers less infrastructure um, you know the only time I've ever uh, gotten signs of hypothermia ever was in the never summer wilderness in northern Colorado in early mm-hmm. August <laughs> you know like it, it, it's just it, it's brutal and then Literally less than a week later, I was in the Great Divide Basin in uh, Wyoming, and it was like a hundred degrees. And you know, we were—I was drinking hot hot water from uh, from my water bottles. You know,
0: what's the general route of the Continental Divide Trail? Obviously, you know the Continental Divide, and you can think about it like yeah. uh, you know on a, on a map. But uh, yeah. so- I couldn't tell you like exactly where it goes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, all long distance trails have a, a terminus what some of them are, you know, so uh, I hiked it, um, northbound. So I started down in New Mexico. There's, uh, the boot heel of New Mexico, there's actually a section of the border that of the U S Mexico border that runs north south. So it starts there and meanders all the way, kind of jumping sky uh, sky islands, these awesome mountain ranges, um, through New Mexico and um, weaves its way up to the San Juans in southwest Colorado. And from there, jumps on to the Colorado Trail um, and works its way across Colorado, then kind of diagonal through Wyoming there. And uh, the official route then kind of follows the border of Idaho and Montana before ultimately catching the Bob Bob Marshall Wilderness and Glacier Park uh, to Canada
0: sounds like and, some um,
1: it's when they yeah yeah it really is and, and one of the one of my favorite things about the continental divide Trail is there historically has been a culture of like choose your own adventure so you know there can be you know from town town a to town b you know there can be four different routes you can go and you can cut between mm-hmm. them so it it what's awesome is you know it, it's likely that there aren't too many people that have hiked the exact same Continental Divide Trail. But, you know, I still that, walked from Mexico to Canada. Right, you right, know, right. I just have and a, that's partly because,
0: because the trail systems are just so good uh, that you can link up with different trails at different portions in the West there?
1: Um. No, well, some of that was out of uh, necessity. Is Some of these, you know... The continental Divide Trail is seeing a lot more numbers uh, than it has even in ten years ago. Um and you know, with the the beauty the the blessing and the curse that is the smartphone, right? That like all the maps can be at your fingertips. Um people've decided, you know, oh I can link this forest service road to this trail to a little, you know, cross country. Um and then there's just less uh as you know, the Continental Divide Trail hasn't been as developed as other ones in there. I think there is a continuous linked path now, but you know, some of that is like it's on roads. Like when you're going through grants, uh, just South of grants, New Mexico, you walk on this highway without a shoulder for, and I did cause I'm a crazy person and said, I just wanted to walk from Mexico to Canada that summer. Um, but you're walking through two, two different parcels of public lands on the side of this highway on either side of the highway. And it's just like, Oh, in like 20 years, there'll be a wonderful trail built right over there. But un- until then, tick, 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 just <laughs> me and my trekking poles walking against traffic. <laughs> That's funny. Um And Yeah, but that is something that I I really, really enjoyed about that trip uh, was just the the choose-your-own-adventure and, you know, having a couple different data sets to look at to see what other folks have done. Um, And, I mean, you know, there there are places where on that trail, the trail's so overgrown where it may only exist on on maps. And, you, you know, I remember looking out on my paper map, a different map on my phone from a different data set. And I was like, Oh, I'm on the trail and I could just look around. And it was just a sea of sage. That's <laughs> and funny. I was like, well, I'll just keep <laughs> going North up this Valley. Cause that's what the map says I should do.
0: <laughs> Follow the map, I guess.
1: Yep. Yep. And it, yeah, it's just fine. Um, uh, so there, uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's not to say that people, um, couldn't have their first long distance hike be, um, the continental divide, but it's definitely a more advanced route. Um, What
0: what is it about long distance hiking in general that you love?
1: There is, I just love the idea of, I I have this little backpack with food and water five days and whatever comes my way, I got, I got it handled. Um, there, there's just a real freedom that I find that just so alluring and, you know, it's a very romantic idea. Like just there you go. Totally. Um, it's, it's, it's not to say that there aren't ups and downs. It's like it's not all literally, you know, world class views and like great trail and, you know, like it, the monotony of walking across the countries sets in, you know. Um, that, but I just, I really, that, that real freedom that you have, um, I know it's what you just, mean, I, I love it.
0: I, I know what you mean. It. It's, I, yeah, it's the exact, I feel the exact same thing. Uh, when I'm going on a canoe trip, it's like, uh, you know, every time I go on a trip, especially if I'm guiding and taking other people, uh, it's like, I'm so stressed about like. Packing, making sure everything, making sure I got everything, making sure I got enough food, making sure I got this, that, you know, are all the logistics taken care of. And then as soon as we have all the boats loaded and you push off, just like that moment of pushing off. And it's just like, all right, we got everything we need. And it, even if we don't have it, it doesn't matter. There's nothing we can do now. Uh, we're, we're floating down river. We're going to have the time of our lives for the next, yeah, you know, five, ten three, five, 10 days, whatever it is, hundred days. And, uh, we got everything we need. We don't need anything else. It's the best, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And, and you know, there I've, when I hiked actually, uh, when I hiked the continental divide trail, I'd, there's a couple of places that have just a general store and a post office or just, a someone that's kind enough in the community that accepts packages for long distance hikers. um, I was, it was in Pie Town, New Mexico. And I get there. and ship my box. And it wasn't there. And I checked the tracking. And I was like, oh, it's been delivered. And I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. And this is a place that has three pie shops, but no grocery stores. <laughs> you know, Pie Town. Um, and it, and I was like, but it's delivered. But And I, I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Uh, the the UPS store in Bozeman, Montana, got a little confused and sent two of the same box two boxes to the same location.
0: <laughs> and, and there's no grocery store. store. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
1: there's no grocery store. So, um, you know, it's it's those moments that like you can't replicate that, right? And totally. What did I do? Hit hitched 80 miles to the nearest gas station in Arizona and bought 120 miles worth of food at the gas station and just figured it out.
0: Oh man. That's hilarious. You know, I, uh, and,
1: yeah. and the, the best part is like, you know, on, on my end, like especially on a long and like you don't have those, you don't have like generally immediate deadlines, you know? So you, it's like, ah, we'll just go with the punches. We'll, we'll just totally. hit, hit, hitch way out of my way. <laughs> like we'll just go for it, you know? So there, there, there is something that I just love about that. Whereas like, you're never going to really get to experience that on a shorter five day trip. Um, and it's, it's not to say that, like, I mean, I, I love walking with my backpack on and moving through the landscape. I mean, that's, I love it. So whether it's a through hike, whether it's just an overnight to, Hey, I wonder if we could walk up there, you know, um, to, to route finding, whatever. I just, I enjoy it. But there, there is something special on those longer um, trips where you, you run totally. into those things that are my favorite. What,
0: what what kind of style are you doing these trips in? Cause everyone has their own style, right? You got your, uh, your, what? Fastest known, fastest known time. Is that what it is? FKT? <laughs>
1: Dude, I, one of the reasons why I enjoy your podcast is because it is adjacent to like it's adjacent to like the recreating that I do. So there's lots of crossover, but then like it, yeah. Uh, yes, then I love it. You're idea. like, Oh, what's that thing? Fastest. No. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, so fastest known time, say, right? Like, it's F- whoever. I wanted
0: to say FTD. I was like fastest known descent. No, fastest known time. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So FKTs. Uh, no, um, I'm in no danger of taking anyone's FKT. Um, <laughs> The, the no danger, uh, but I, I really enjoy traveling light, uh, traveling fast and efficient. But I am not, um, I'm I'm not going to be hiking 55 miles a day. That's just you won't you won't you won't see me on any leaderboards.
0: <laughs> so are you uh, are you? Where where do you lie on the spectrum? Okay, so you're not uh, you're you're not going for any uh, any new records, but you said you like traveling light. Are you like shaving your toothbrush? Uh, are you? Uh, yeah, oh
1: okay. well, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm a full on ultralight jerk. Okay, um, sweet, but uh, but yeah, but I, I look at that. It's it's I when I think about lightweight backpacking, you know, it's really important to me because it's less stress on my body. So sure. less stress means more miles per day. Um, and there, when it, when we, when I come back, I immediately start thinking about freedom, right? If I just have less stuff with me, I can go farther. I, it's just, I'm, it's less cumbersome when I like, you know, there's been times I've been on public trans, uh, transportation with my little backpack and just like sits on my lap and it's not in anyone's way, you know? Yeah. Like, of yeah. course I, I stick out like a sore thumb with my like women's running shorts on and like bronzed bronze tan like even okay. even half my half irish half. ass yeah if, if, if this irish boy gets into the desert i even tan a little <laughs> uh, it, i'm sorry I probably are we allowed to swear on this plan, on this oh show? yeah
0: let her fly let her fly okay okay
1: okay cool cool I'm, hell yeah <laughs> for, for a firefighter i've actually had a pretty decent mouth so haven't said <laughs> anything too it. naughty
0: no not even not even close uh Speaking of firefighting, how did you get into the firefighting, and how long uh, how long have you been doing that? Wild Wildland firefighting, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I work here in the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem um, as a federal wildland firefighter, and uh, of course, it, it all harkens back to long distance trails. Um, I worked uh, worked a trail crew job in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park for the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. Teaching people how to build trails. And the reason why I was doing that job is because i walked walked some trails and I needed to give back to the national like to the trail network, like what wh- wherever it may be. Um, and it was awesome. I got to work with people from all different walks of life and teach them how to, you know, some folks that had never used like never used a pair of loppers to, you know, trim trees. And like we I got to paint got to help volunteers like paint blazes on the trails to actually mark the Appalachian trail. Um, and that led to my first job working for the national park service and on a trail crew. And then, um, yeah, the summer of 2017, uh, I went and, uh, got just, picked I'm up. just going
0: to, I'm, I'm going to cut you yeah. off before I even get to the firefighting stuff. The trail crew work, man, that, that looks like some backbreaking, uh, Backbreaking, but like crew, probably similar to the wildlife, probably, uh, to the firefighting, very similar, but like crew building, uh, work, what was, what was, uh, building trail like, or what is building trail like?
1: Oh, it, I mean, it, it, you know, like I think now in 2024, 20, you know, more and more people are saying they, they like they get satisfaction from building something with their hands, you know, totally. right. Like we're, we're always touching screens. We're always doing, you know, whatever. And of course, it's not that people aren't making stuff, doing things, but, you know, there's that scene, seeing something, right? I'm like waking up with the same people for a week and walking down the same little stretch of trail and watch as, you know, a group of, at one point, strangers, now friends, just walk down the trail and start opening the trail corridor up, right? Um,
0: And so what generally... Generally, how does it go? Are you like uh, maintaining or improving a trail that currently exists, and you're like taking out roots and big rocks and
1: yeah? So um, I've done both trail construction, which I like on on like a uh, but when I was the trail crew leader, we're generally doing trail maintenance. So that is just uh, there's actually specs for national scenic trails. They have to be so many feet wide so many feet tall um and in that case actually where we were working in the uh, great smoky mountains national park which uh they allow some horse access to connect different horse trails so the corridor was as like eight feet tall so there are times where like you know we'd be like okay <laughs> Just keep reading. Who's the tallest? <laughs> who's the tallest person here this week? Like, wait, give wait, them the, long, the you know? longest loppers. And, like, um, and then, you know, the, oh, the enemy so of every – You
0: have to clear it all the way to eight feet. I see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the enemy of all trails is actually water because water will just wash okay. them away. Um, so then we will be digging water bars – or uh, grade reversals. And those are the the humps you'll see on like sloped trail. And that's, that's just, it's just a gutter. It's using the already hardened dirt soil and just to redirect it and have it kick out into the woods. Um, because then what happens is the water will wear down the trail and it'll get a nice like U shape. And then the water can never escape. And then it just is going to keep digging that deeper and deeper. And, you know, that's not, hikers don't like to hike in that. You know, um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's great. You're, we're teaching folks that some folks have never used tools before, um, and there they are in the middle of one of the most remote places on the East Coast digging trails. So it's, uh, it was a great experience.
0: Hey, it's Will here. Want to take a moment to let you know about today's sponsor, sregear.com. SRE Gear is a family-owned and operated outdoor gear shop in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, and they have everything you need for your next adventure, whether you're camping, backpacking, hiking, paddling, or just getting out there and exploring. sregear.com has the gear you need to get you to those places you love. I recently picked up a new Garmin InReach from SRE. I needed a new communication device for the guided canoe trips I've been leading. And after talking through a few options with the owner, Nick, there, he helped me sort out what I needed and get squared away. And that's one of the things that sets sregear.com apart, is the unbeatable customer service. Call or email with any questions, and you'll talk with the owner, Nick, or someone there close to him. So before you go and buy any outdoor equipment from a big box store, be sure to check out family-owned and operated sregear.com. And Be sure to use the discount code WILL at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. That's discount code WILL at checkout for 10% off sregear.com. Great gear, great prices, unbeatable customer service. Hey, it's Will here. Want to take a moment to let you know about our show sponsor and partner, Fischel Paddles, makers of fine, handcrafted wooden canoe paddles. I spend a lot of time paddling rivers and lakes, and Fischel paddles are the best canoe paddles that I've come across. I use the Ray Special model myself, and I outfit all the guided trips that I run with Fischel paddles too, because I think they're the best. Each paddle is handmade by Greg Fischel at his shop in Flagstaff, Arizona from a single piece of wood. What I love most is the shape and feel of the paddle. Other than being beautiful and efficient, it puts less strain on your shoulders and arms than a typical paddle would, while actually giving you more control and finesse with each stroke. Plus, the shape of the blade just feels right cutting through the water. All paddles are customizable from the type of wood, whether that's cherry, ash, or maple, to laser engravings, and my favorite, which is the leather strap that Greg pins around the shaft so that it doesn't get beat up as you run along the gunnels, prying off or doing the J-stroke in the back of the stern there. So go get yourself a Fischel paddle now and feel the difference. Use the code WILL at checkout. That's W-I-L-L to get a free wooden paddle hanger with any paddle purchase. That way you can show off and organize that new handmade paddle. Check them out at Fischelpaddles.com. That's F-I-S-H-E-L-L paddles.com. Fischel paddles, handcrafted wooden canoe paddles. I imagine the wildlife, uh, uh, wildland firefighting, and the trail crews are similar in and and just you know tripping and like uh, being in the woods with people in general. Like one of my favorite things uh, for the Buffalo Roamer trips that I do, the guided trips or just any trip, is like showing up on day one. Nobody knows each other. Everybody's strangers. Everybody is like a little bit standoffish, trying to feel everybody out. And then by the end of the trip, it's like everybody is like best friends. You're taking numbers like, uh, you know, it's, it's just the best.
1: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, just, you know, spending 24 seven together, like there you're, you're going to get that camaraderie. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, um, long distance hiking reminds me so much of trail building uh, on trail crews and working as a wildland firefighter, you know, and vice versa. It, it, it it's, you're having a shared experience, right? Sometimes it's euphoric. Sometimes it's suffering. You're eating the same crummy food, <laughs> you know, you get, you get the same kind of that camaraderie of the group, those in jokes. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it it's, yeah, it's, it's all in like all immersive both, both long distance hiking and like the fire crew it's just like this is kind of your world for now um, so, so
0: how does the fire has,
1: how,
0: how does the fire crew go down like how, tell me about uh like a typical summer what what would happen and you know how big your crew is and what you're doing
1: yeah yeah so i work on a, a federal wildland crew of uh when fully staffed, we'll be about 10 people, and uh, we're a hell attack crew, so we use uh, a helicopter. And if you've, if anyone, any of the listeners ever watch any ski movies, we use an A-star, which is what most of the time you'll see. Um, it's a smaller helicopter, uh, but high-performance aircraft uh, for high-elevation flying. And because where we are, you know, we have peaks up upwards of 12,000 feet, and we are also can go anywhere in the US, so it helps to have something with a little more uh, performance. But yeah, so we do, uh, we fight fire, just you know, like any, any other fire crew, uh, but we're also able to uh, do a technique called short haul, where we clip 150 foot rope to the belly of the ship and to two people with harnesses on, and we can insert for rescue in case someone's injured on the fire line. And we can also use this for like search and rescue, uh, you know, applications outside of fire. Yeah. Um, so, so how it's, does it's pretty.
0: Yeah. It sounds intense. Uh, how does, how would like a fire go? Like for instance, you're hanging out and you're like, all right guys, we got, uh, uh, we got a call up here, uh, in this remote part of the Rockies go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, usually we're, we, our days pretty, pretty normal. It's, it's very similar to hiking. It's kind of the same thing every day, but you never know what's going to get thrown at you. So we'll, we'll work out in the morning. You know, we get paid to work out, which is awesome. I get to go trail running on the clock. So cool. <laughs> Not too many jobs. You get to do that. Um, we yeah, have, when we get the call, um, we'll assemble the crew and whoever, is managing the aircraft that day. We'll will already pre pre programmed. You know, three three fire folks. We'll um, load in the helicopter, fly out. Um, you know, our dispatch center will have coordinates. Sometimes they're dead on, or sometimes said, oh, someone was over on the five 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 road and was looking east on the ridge that goes north south. They didn't really know, and you get. To exactly what that has been given, you're like, there's nothing here. <laughs> and then, you know, we're as, and it's, it's pretty interesting when you're flying in the ship, you can some, you cannot see the fire, but you'll, you'll smell the smoke. And you could wow. be, you know, a thousand feet above ground level and you can just smell the smoke, but you can't see any smoke. So, you know, um, our pilots are, have to go through rigorous training, um, because of our program's, uh, short haul the, that rescue technique, you know, putting a human external cargo on the, you know, so they're, they're dialed and they, they've been, in, you know, they've, they've been flying a lot. So they're super familiar. They're decent firefighters themselves having never actually fought fire with, you know, traditional hand tools. They just have a, a you know, aircraft. <laughs> um, and once the fire is located, we'll drop everybody off. We'll set up um, a 144 gallon bucket and uh, we'll start hiking into the fire and you know fires can be something so simple like a one one tree on fire right um but or they can be those million acre fires that we hear about in in the west um and most fires are those small couple tree fires you know Hmm. um but those don't those don't get the good screen time and make the dramatic photos and video right, right. of like a couple knuckle draggers like myself dig, digging in the dirt you know um just put putting a little line around uh, it's it's when homes are on fire right And big you know whole mountainsides right um but uh but yeah it's um and we'll just um if, if you can you, think how, of
0: yeah how do you what what are some of the techniques for fighting them
1: uh, yeah, so I, I yeah, if, if if you just imagine a, um, the way I like to explain is if you imagine a piece of paper, and that piece of paper is your fire, whether it is, you know, a quarter acre, or a 100,000 acres, we kind of fight fire the same way, we're going to start kind of the point of it, origin. And we're just going to start flanking the fire on the right side and the left side, you know, um, and we're going to construct a hand line so a hand line is clearing all of the the standing brush and debris uh, like any standing trees we're going to bring those all to the ground uh, with chainsaws and then folks behind them will be in there digging a uh, hand line down to mineral soil so what you kind of end up with is essentially a hiking trail you know it's kind of looks of you've got this cleared out area and just a strip strip of mineral soil there Um, and, uh, you know, you slowly go around the sides and if the fire is only literally two or three trees on fire, it's very simple and can be done really quickly. And then when you have like our helicopter with putting water buckets, you know, putting buckets of water, um, on it, you know, you can wrap things up pretty quickly. Um, but what's interesting or I find, I just love is it, it scales, so instead of it just being, you know, four of us on the ground in one helicopter, it can be multiple 20 person hand crews. And instead of it being, you know, one acre, it's 2000 acres instead of one aircraft, it's four aircraft and it just keeps kind of scaling. Um, just seems so, so wild. Yeah, put in-
0: like, I mean, it makes total and complete sense but it just seems so wild that like the way that you end a massive wildfire burning across half of the country is literally just a crew of freaking guys out there busting their ass freaking digging a trench next to a fire <laughs> like it just seems so wild
1: yeah yeah it 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 is um and uh you know and th- that is like what i just described is the, the most basic, the most like textbook kind of, it gets real complicated real quick. Um, well, literally well above my pay grade, like no, literally above my pay grade type stuff. Um, where I am just like one of those little cogs in the system, you know, um, and just plug and play. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of folks put in a lot of sweat, blood and tears into this. Um, you know, Many of them making, uh, you know, first first year firefighters are only making fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, so it is it is uh, you know there's a lot of folks leaving the it as a career um, right now, which is unfortunate because like right we need we need firefighters. Uh, people love firefighters, right? Like so, um, yeah. It's uh, I'm, I'm I'm anxious to see what the future has for it. You know, it's hard. We're there, there are all different types of crews out there that aren't able to hire enough people because they just, the, those, it's more of like reshuffling the deck than like bringing more people. Um, but you know, who wants to be away from their their loved ones all summer long for, you know, 15 yeah, bucks an hour?
0: It's an intense job for sure.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, w- one thing that is like hopeful with all of that is there's some, uh, there's an advocacy group, uh, Grassroots Wildland Firefighters, um, that's pushing stuff in Congress right now. Um, you know, the National, Federal, uh, Feder- the National Federation of Federal Employees, the union that represents me, has been doing a lot of stuff, too, to, like, increase these benefits. And, you know, it, it's funny, though, like, most folks' jobs, they go to their boss, hey, I did X, Y, and Z. Can I have a race? I have to go through Congress to get one of those. <laughs> you yeah. know like it's it's uh it's a little different and, and you know folks love firefighters folks love firefighters like it's it's a bipartisan issue right um but you know we have we have folks that like get injured at work doing what they were told to do and then they lose their retirement right and that's something our union was able to, to to get a law passed to make sure that if you get injured on the job that you get to keep your retirement you know that's 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 a fair shake, um, yes, In I my would, eyes, so um, I would think yeah, so. There's too. there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, I was just gonna say, uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it seems like, uh, yeah, a, a wild uh, a wild career in ways. Uh, you know, jumping out of a helicopter yeah. to go fight a fire.
1: <laughs> well, we we don't jump out. That's no, uh, we what, that's we yeah. We don't jump out. Okay, we, it's like a static system, so we're like clipped in. Um, oh, okay, so you're uh, from-
0: James Bond in it from the from the uh, from the helicopter.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure.
0: <laughs> no, not that badass. I don't jump. We just repel.
1: <laughs> no, we, no, we're, it's, it's static. We don't, we don't <laughs> repel. So, <laughs> but those people do repel out of helicopters. Not us, or not, not my job. And then um, people jump out of airplanes uh, for the federal government to go to work, which is a pretty wild thing.
0: And so when you're saying it's static, you, you land the plane and hop out. Uh,
1: the- yes, yeah, so we, we, we land the helicopter, we set up our rope, and um, depending on how it is configured, we either hook up while we're on the ground, or the, the helicopter will fly to us, They will dangle the rope in front of us, and then we clip in and get plucked out. I Um, it's, uh, parks, Canada, which is like what they call national parks in Canada and Europe have been using this technique called short haul for several decades. There's, there hasn't been a known fatality associated with this because of there not being anything that is actually moving, Hmm. um, in the system. Whereas like there have been folks repelling out of helicopters that have died and it's um, smoke jumpers that are jumping out of airplanes deploying a parachute. Um, you know, there's right. a lot of risks associated with that.
0: How about um, all your time spending in the wilds? Is there any wildlife encounter that uh, that comes to mind? Any uh, interesting wildlife you see?
1: Uh, yeah, this is this is actually not the story that you'll think it is. Uh, it, it just makes me laugh every time and. The fall of 2022, I hiked the Superior Hiking Trail, which goes from the Wisconsin border um, all along in Minnesota, all along the coast of Lake Superior. I mean, not on the coast, but, you know, it's sure. the Lake Superior is omnipresent. Um, beautiful trail, um, you know, and like being a kid from the Midwest, I, I was so stoked. Oh, I get to go hike in the Midwest and like do something more than just like a couple hours, this is awesome. And not just be, you know, going in circles. <laughs> um, but, uh, I can't remember where I was somewhere outside of, uh, two harbors, Minnesota. And I was, I was night hiking, um, looking for, cause there's designated campsites, which is really nice. Like you just every couple of miles, there's another place to camp. And I, I'm walking and I'm look got my headlamp on and I look and I see these two pair of eyes, Reflecting back at me and then my Montana brain immediately reaches for my bear spray, which doesn't exist because I left that in Montana because I'm not in grizzly country. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's just a white tail deer. Oh, perfect. Perfect.
0: <laughs> just a good like, old white tail. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Once one, once you spend enough time in, in grizzly country, you know, there is a level of, uh, of edge that I'm like kind of always on. Um, I remember I'm not, I'm not trying to mess with
0: you. on the uh, Mississippi. Uh, I hadn't spent too much time in the South before, and so uh, canoeing the Mississippi. Uh, I was in—I think I might have been in Mississippi—and I was camping one night on a sandbar on the edge of the river, and I kept hearing rustling, like right along the edge of my tent, and it sounded kind of big and. I had no idea what it was and I heard it for like, uh, uh, all day almost and all through the night, could not figure out what it was. And then, uh, I, ca- I opened up my tent and I like caught a glimpse of it and it was an armadillo. I was like, boy, I'm in the South now, freaking armadillo. <laughs> Never seen one of those before. I'm sure everybody in the South is like, what that, the hell is this Yankee talking about?
1: <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I think I've probably told, I know I've told this story elsewhere, but it's worth the retail. Um, The the wildlife uh, encounter that I had that's probably the most memorable is I hiked the, in 2014, I hiked the Colorado Trail, which goes from like West Denver to Durango, and um, we were up at Monarch Pass. And we just went in and out of town really quick, and I just was like, wanted to charge my phone a little more. So there's some sort of restaurant there, kind of like tourist attraction thing. And I just long distance hikers, and probably uh, any long distance person in, in these times is good at finding yeah. outlets. I'm sure you were able to find outlets on your Mississippi trip. Like you just like, oh, there's an outlet oh, yeah. under that table. I just know there isn't. Boop. Right. <laughs> We just, we know we, there, there's these, these are these skills. And so I'm, um, I'm plugging in, I'm charging and daylight or we're losing daylight. And we knew it was going to be a full moon in this area. The, the trail is all above tree line. And, and when it is ducks in the trees, they're very sparse. So you just have this beautiful moonlight. And so my buddy JC, him and I have hiked almost 3000 miles together. Um, one of my dear friends, and he goes up ahead. He's like, "Hey, man, I'll I'll leave. I'll go pitch my tent. You know, when I find a spot, whatever." And we have this little system where we leave our poles on the trail, and then you know, you go find find your buddy. So I get all charged up, and I'm walking. I've got my headlamp on my head, but full moon, so it's now it's dark, and you know, I, I literally have a moon shadow. I'm walking, and I just kind of have this uncomfortable you know, like feeling like I'm being watched. Something's watched. this is, this isn't right. And I'm like, ah, whatever dude, bro, chill. There's nothing out here. You're fine. You know, just walking along. And before I know I'm like, okay, no, no. I throw my headlamp on. I look up the slope, nothing. I look down the slope and I just see these two green emerald forward facing eyes. And I was just like, Emerald. Hey, Hey bear. Get out of here! Fuck you, bear! Get out of here! It wasn't really interested, and I was just like, "Huh? Okay, I've like kind of got I've got the, the uphill advantage, right? And I like kind of like sheepishly just kind of like kick some dirt, and it, it's far enough where I, I can't see its silhouette. It's just the two eyes. I'm like bear, and I just you know start yelling, and okay, it's not moving. So I turn my headlamp off and keep walking, like it didn't care. You know, and there I just t- immediately turn my head to the side, look down the slope, hit the light, and it's right there. Oh, geez. And I'm just like, what the? And I'm like, <laughs> and this time I pick a real rock up, pick some gravel up, you know, hit it with, try to hit it with the rock, try to hit it with a shotgun gravel. And, uh, you know, it's just like not really doing much. I was just like, what the hell? Like, this thing's following me. I was like, only, only if only a like a, a mountain lion follows, like bears don't follow people. And I was like, Oh shit. What do you do when you see a mountain lion? Like, what's-? And I was like, okay. Protocol. And then I was like, no, 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 it's a black bear. It's a black bear. And I was like, we're just going black bear protocol. Fuck you bear. And I just <laughs> take a huge rock and launch it, you know, like down and this one got real close, and the way those eyes zigged and zagged that that was that was cat like is the only way to describe it. And my, I'm just like immediately, my heart is just pounding, and uh, I'm just like get out of here and just make all this noise. And I pick another rock, throw it, and it just its eyes. You know, slowly illuminated became came like a hat came a half moon, just like a crescent moon shape, and into the night. Jeez. And then I'm just like, "What the fuck do I do now?" Right. I don't. At least I knew where it was. (laughs) You know, like and it's like okay, just pucker up and try to turn my headlamp. Yeah, yeah. Just turn my headlamp on, and I'm just gonna. You know, this time we'll just keep the headlamp on. The the romantic uh, night hiking under moonlight is done. (laughs) And I'm I'm just walking and my heart is just pounding. I'm walking, I'm walking, and I see, and all of a sudden, I see my buddies trekking poles on the side of the trail, like I have literally hundreds of times in the nights that we've camped together. And I jumped back and let out like, like I was gonna fight this inanimate object.
0: <laughs> on edge.
1: I was just on so I was on edge, and I just hear like, "Dude, you okay? What's going on?" <laughs> it comes huffing and puffing, and uh, yeah. So uh, that sounds and, like
0: a memorable one.
1: Yeah, and that that uh, it was, and that actually the Continental Divide that was also on the Continental Divide Trail, technically, because that's where those two trails overlapped. Um, but yeah. Cats was, uh, are shifty, man, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, they're a powerful, powerful creature. Um, very, very impressive. Um, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it didn't want anything to do with me.
0: What uh, I saw on your uh, little list you sent me on some of the trips that you uh, did a bike packing route in the uh, in the driftless.
1: Oh yeah, um, so. Yeah. Like all of my adventures, you know, they'd all, I've been trying to make them just a little more complicated or interesting or different, whatever they are. So I'd done a bunch of long distance hiking um, and trails. I'm sure we won't even cover because some of them aren't worth yeah. covering, frankly. <laughs> it's just walk. It's just walking, man. It's just walking. Um, but uh, so I was, those routes, even with the CDT, of course, you're going to, there, that's cool. You get to choose your own adventure, but you're still kind of in this confine of the divide. Right. Um, and with this, uh, I actually, in this, the fall of 2021, I did a 500 mile loop through Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota and Iowa and back to my mom's house and uh, where I started in Illinois on, on a bike. Yeah. Um, on a bike. And so, is a gravel bike so it looks like a normal road bike but it has a little bit wider tires and it it had you know again as being someone that's very serious about carrying less gear so i can move faster it's it's pared down it's not the big like panniers you see on the sides of the wheels and like lots of stuff it's uh, pretty agile um what was so, what's so great about that is if I thought, I thought the continental divide Trail trails, like kind of choose your own adventure. This was literally make up your own adventure. <laughs> so I, I spent, I spent about a week and a half after the fire season, just like looking at, you know, all different types of mapping resources. Like there's gravel maps.com is a place where you can, anyone can just say, Hey, this is a gravel road and you can, draw a segment on there. And then I was cross for as seeing that with like Google earth and like Gaia and Strava and all of these different like things. And I, I just made this route that was predominantly gravel roads or um, you know, in the Midwest there, they're very lucky, lots of rails trails. So I got to ride on uh, rails trails a lot through Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. Um, it was, it was awesome. It was was delightful Uh, that that trip was uh I kind of tend to just go all in onto things and um anytime I've talked to other like people that have done bike touring or bike packing they're like wait 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 your first trip was a trip that you made up yourself it was 500 miles and then the late fall early winter and I was like yeah ignorance is bliss here didn't know (laughs) didn't know um, um, it was a, it was nine days and, um, so, so yeah. Um, and some of those days were kind of, I, like my, my grandmother lives in Madison, Wisconsin. So I just biked from my mom's house to my grandma's house, which was like, you know, 60 days. And then I went and met a buddy, uh, and at his place near, um, baraboo wisconsin so like some of the days were like much shorter than i would have like liked but you know i wanted to see if it was so cool was choose your own adventure like um but my one of my favorite nights there was in oh gosh i can't remember the name of the town in iowa but i was pretty well known in the gravel biking world it has more gravel roads than any other state um and so there's just awesome gravel and like why folks like gravel biking is because there, there's not a lot of cars and when there are, there's just less traffic, you know? Um, Cause yeah, getting, when, when a vehicle's blowing past someone on a bike at, you know, 70 miles per hour and only there's a foot of clearance, that that's pretty scary. <laughs> we, as someone on a bike, I know that I'm not going to live. <laughs> um, but uh, we have one, one of my favorite nights there at, I, uh, I like to, like, you know, push the boundaries of, like, where can we sleep tonight? <laughs> and uh, I, w- I won't say the town. I don't know how the statute of limitations work. Uh, but uh, I was like, oh, they got a they got a high school here with a baseball dugout. That works for me. <laughs> and with my luck, they were having some sort of community event. The parking lot's full. <laughs> There's people coming in and out of cars. And there I am there i am with my little quilt all like oh hope no one sees me
0: well matt really appreciate the time man i'm gonna wind her down uh, is there anything last thoughts you want to leave us with
1: um yeah i mean i i can't stress it enough just uh yeah give your give your congress folks a call in washington and tell them you care about public lands and wildland firefighters because uh it's we 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 need some we need some fundamental changes for this to be a sustainable career Uh, yeah, it's, we, we gotta, we gotta start taking care of our folks because everyone loves firefighters. We don't, we only show up when people call us, you know, and it's, it's bipartisan issue. That's my favorite thing. It's just like, doesn't matter what politics you're into. Folks love firefighters. So we're, we're here to help and just gotta, gotta make sure we have those staffing. Um, and we're take folks are taken care of because that's, that's the right thing to do for our first responders.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm right there with you. Well, thanks for the time, Matt. Uh, Appreciate it. And we'll have to connect again sometime down the line.
1: Yeah, man. Absolutely. Sounds great. Thanks.
0: And there you have it. That is episode 82 with Matt Mason on Buffalo Roamer Outdoors. Thanks for sticking with us. Had a little bit of a technical trouble. Uh, Had to chop off a little bit at the end of this uh, interview. But... Hope you enjoyed it. Nonetheless, uh, I know I enjoyed talking with Matt. Don't forget, you can check out buffaloroamer.com. I got guided canoe trips for 2024 season up out there, uh, up on the website now, and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, If nothing else, go get some fresh air, and I'll see you downriver.